Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Board. On this, our 10th episode, we look at the NFL at the midway point of the season. We'll get into the current playoff standings, and we'll also look at my college football playoff predictions. And then finally, we'll get into my NFL draft top 10 list of overall players and the best fit for each of those players. Let's start with the NFL playoff standings. As you are aware, the NFL moved to seven playoff teams this year, and depending on what happens with potential cancellations due to COVID, it may add on an additional eighth team. Nothing to this point has went that way, but it is a possibility. But still, as of now, seven playoff teams for each conference. So quickly, let's go down each of the seven teams as they stand today. For the AFC, Steelers at 8-0 are the top seed, followed by the Chiefs, Bills, and Titans as the current division leaders. Then, seeds 5-7, through seven, Ravens at 6-2, Raiders at 5-3, and, and Dolphins at 5-3. So Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Ravens, Raiders, Dolphins. Looking at the potential matchups, and of course, a lot can change, but as of now, at the midpoint of the season, generally, these are the teams that are going to be in the discussion. It might not be the complete list of playoff teams. you probably change one, maybe two, but for the most part, these are the teams that have gotten to this point that are going to be in the playoff picture come January. One playoff by looking at the Steelers right now, so that would mean the Chiefs would host the Dolphins, the Bills would host the Raiders, and the Titans would host the Ravens. So, of course, a lot yet to play for, and you look at the difference between the seventh seed and the third seed, it's only two games with eight to play. The Chiefs and Bills have played nine games, but still... It's a pretty close race. It always is. But that's why it's so key and every game matters. Because you want that home field advantage. And who knows, by the time the playoff rolls around, more fans may be let in. That's something we've talked about all throughout the fall. With more fans being let in and what it could potentially look like in the winter for the playoffs. Over to the NFC. Number one seed, New Orleans Saints at 6-2. and two. They had a huge win this past weekend against the Buccaneers, and it really was a domination. But the Saints on the road, mind you, really put it to the Buccaneers and flexed their muscle and showed that they were the superior team. They are followed by the Seahawks and Packers, who also have records of 6-2. and two. So it just shows you the NFC is so competitive at the top to where the first three seeds all have the same record. And then the Eagles at 3-4-1 and one are that fourth seed, followed by the Buccaneers, Cardinals, and Rams. So as of now, the NFC West has three of the NFC's playoff seeds. Three of the four teams in NFC West are currently in the playoffs. 
And you have Saints, Packers, Buccaneers, and of course the Eagles have to be in there. <laughs> but that is a very interesting conference as well because we talked about the AFC being close in terms of record, two games separating seeds three through seven. One game separates the first seed from the seventh. The Saints, six and two. The Rams, the seventh seed, are five and three. So the NFC is going to have a lot going on each week. You know, each week is always big, of course, because there's only a set amount of games, unlike other professional leagues. But especially with this construct as it is now, it's going to be very, very important. You know, you could easily see the Cardinals be the top seed, and then Seahawks, since they wouldn't win their division, could be the five seed with a 13-win season. So if you're a fan of those teams, it's going to be stressful. If you're not a fan of those teams, you can sit back and relax and enjoy. <laughs> I do think that is a better representation of the playoff teams in the NFC than the AFC. I think there might be a couple more teams that aren't in the fold now that could be introduced, uh, but you never know. The Browns could make it. They just had their buy, so they, going forward, will be looking for healthy stretch run of wins, albeit without Odell Beckham, but they will get Nick Chubb back this week, it looks like. so, And their identity is running the football anyway. So for the Browns, they could very well challenge for that last playoff seed. And speaking of playoff predictions, let's move over to college football. The Pac-12 just started this past week. The Big Ten has been playing for a few weeks. And then the SEC as well as the ACC and, and other conferences have been playing for most of the year. So the rest of this podcast is going to be geared towards the SEC, but that is just a byproduct of them being really good, but also having more of a sample size to choose from this year. So the number one team in the country is also my number one predicted team for the college football playoff, Alabama Crimson Tide. It's remarkable how they lost Jalen Waddell for the season, and it seems like they didn't skip a beat. They have so much talent, and they have so much determination after previous seasons, which for them, not winning a national championship is a letdown. But... Don't forget, they've had excellent success over the last few years. They just haven't won the national championship. Still, they're motivated, which is how it should be, but not how it always is. I think they'll play the number four team. I should say my number four predicted team in the country is the Clemson Tigers. They lost at Notre Dame in overtime this past week without Trevor Lawrence. So on the one hand, I think... Well, they lost, so they should fall in the rankings. But, on the other hand, I think they played really well without the best player in college football on the road against an excellent team, and they were this close from winning. So, I don't drop them too much at all. And you have to think that for the rest of their season... They're going to be favored in every game. They probably should win every game. 
And if they get into the playoffs on that selection day, you say, okay, hypothetically one loss in overtime to a great team, how much does that really indict their football quality? Not much. And then I go down to the 2-3 matchup I look at. Number two, Ohio State. I just think with Justin Fields, with Ryan Day, with... I mean, you pick a position. They're stocked at it, as they traditionally are. I think they'll play the number three seed, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And similar to Clemson, and although Notre Dame just won that game, Notre Dame should be favored in every game going forward. So this past week, Notre Dame-Clemson for both teams was like the game of the season. Now, not only do they know where they stand, they have not an easier schedule, but a schedule where they'll have more room to not only win games, get backups in, preserve starters, stuff like that. So I look at Alabama Clemson and then Ohio State Notre Dame. Honestly, many weeks to go yet, but if I had to make a prediction now, I would say Alabama, give them the edge just because of not being in it, so to speak, the last few years. They're motivated and they really don't have a drop-off. You know, they lost to a tongue of Iloa, but Mac Jones put up great numbers. So if they didn't have Mac Jones, I would certainly give the edge to Clemson, but they do. And then Clemson, look, when I say Alabama, I think will beat Clemson, it's not going to be by a lot. I think back to that rivalry they've had the last few years where it's been really close, and I think it could be a four-point game, but I just think they would control the game, especially with Najee Harris, who we'll reference in a minute. But I think he is the... X factor to where they can control games on the ground, control the flow of games, and if they need to play from behind, they can do that. If they need to play from ahead, they can do that. It's pretty rare to have a running back in an offense to where you can say, well, if we need to come back by running the ball, we can do that. But Najee Harris and that Alabama offensive line and that offensive coaching staff has assembled a unit to where that's no problem for them. So I give the edge to Bama. And then Ohio State, Notre Dame. I'd like to say, honestly, Notre Dame. I just think they're a pretty solid team in every aspect. But then again, so is Ohio State. So I don't know what to say in that one. It may come down to where the game is and how many fans are allowed to come in. Honestly, that's that's a close one. But nevertheless, it's going to be another very exciting college football playoff. And Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, one through four are the teams that I think will be there in the end. Lastly today, we're going to look at my current... NFL top 10 player rankings and the best fit for those players. Now, quick review. In 2019, the top 10 drafted players, 7 defensive, 3 offensive. 2020, 5 offensive, 5 defensive. And then in this year, well, this coming year, I should say in 2021, it's flipped. In terms of my opinion, 3 defensive, 7 offensive players. It's just so happened how it worked out. But I also think It makes sense because the way the league is going with the rules 
And with, you look at guys like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen and all these players who are just putting up great numbers and Lamar Jackson, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson's been doing it for years, Deshaun Watson. I mean, we can go on and on, Christian McCaffrey. All these stars play offense. There are plenty of stars on defense too, yes. But these young quarterbacks in particular are coming in, they're starting right away, and they're doing really well. Also, with young head coaches. So obviously these coaches have been around the game, they obviously know what they're doing, but they're new in the sense that they haven't been a head coach before. And to have a young quarterback come in, play so well, lead a team of grown men with a head coach that hasn't been in his current position before, that means the players you're drafting have to be exceptional in football character and football IQ. So let's look at the top 10 players, and then I'll give you the teams I believe they are the best fit for. And before we do this, I should note, this is not a mock draft. This is a list of my top 10 players matched up with a list of the 10 teams that I think should be in this conversation to draft in the top 10. I'll tell you right now, the San Francisco 49ers on this list, New England Patriots on this list, and I don't think they'll be drafting in the top 10, but I think they'll be in that kind of vicinity. So take that for what it's worth. So number one, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson. He has the arm, the leadership, and quite honestly, the mobility that makes him the complete package. And I think he's the best player in the draft, period. Number two, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State, similar to Trevor Lawrence. Very good arm, very good mobility, really good composure. Intelligent, knows where to go, what to do makes plays that you don't think he can make. Or I should say you don't look at a quarterback and think they shouldn't be able to make this play. But his improvisation, I should say, is something that is very impressive as well. And quite honestly, you could flip-flop those guys. I mean, I think it's really close. I just think Trevor Lawrence, I put stock in. I feel like he's been playing at a higher level for longer. So that, for me, gives him the edge over Justin Fields. And then Panay Sewell, number three, tackle out of Oregon. Michael Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Gregory Rousseau, edge rusher out of Miami. Jalen Waddell, wide receiver, Alabama. A lot's going to depend on his health coming back from that terrible ankle injury. But assuming he's healthy, he should be a top 10 player easy. And then again, if he's not healthy, he shouldn't. So this is obviously assuming he makes a full recovery. Jamar Chase at number seven, wide receiver for LSU. Najee Harris at number eight, running back, Alabama. Patrick Sertan, the second cornerback, Alabama, number nine. And then number 10, Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson. So those are my top 10 players. And of course, you can make additions, subtractions, but those are in my opinion, the 10 best players in college football 
right now. Will they match up with the best? Well, for Trevor Lawrence, I think you look at the New York Jets. I think not only because they drafted Mekhi Becton, it can be that cornerstone left tackle, but the Jets need a strong leader. They need a great player that's a strong leader, and those are very few and far between. Trevor Lawrence can be just that. And I think it's a no-brainer for the Jets. I think it sets the tone for the new era. I don't know if Adam Gase will still be there, but whoever's the head coach going forward, I think they'd be grateful to have Trevor Lawrence as that building block. Number two, Justin Fields. I think he'd be a good fit for the Washington football team. Their number one receiver is Terry McLaurin, who, like Fields, is a former Buckeye. And you look at their offense, and it's kind of not a new offense, not necessarily an explosive offense, but an offense that Fields would do well in. It's a creative offense, I will say. You have actually more potential than you think, and I've had the opportunity to watch them a handful of times in person this year. They have good, some good players. They just need that solid quarterback. And they've actually been competitive with Kyle Allen, who, no disrespect to him, but he wasn't the expected starter at the beginning of this year. And when you have a quarterback change during the year, you generally aren't that competitive, but the football team has been. And so I have to think if they get a guy like Justin Fields in, they'll be pretty good, especially considering the NFC East is the division that's most up for grabs, to put it nicely. At number three, I like Panay Sewell to go to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have had a lot of headlines go their way with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and, of course, their defense for many reasons. They've also had a lot of headlines come their way because of their offensive line, which before this year had been probably the best in the league, if not one of the best. And because of injuries, they've just been decimated. And I don't know what Tyron Smith's future is going to be, but I have to think, if you can go from Tyron Smith to Penesul, not skip a beat, that's something that I think Jerry Jones would jump at the chance of doing, if he could. Hopefully, you get Dak Prescott healthy in 2021. You have CeeDee Lamb. You have Amari Cooper. You get some guys back on the offensive line. You put Penesul, and whether he starts at left tackle or he works a few games behind Tyron Smith or goes to right tackle or goes to a guard position. I don't know. But I just have to think that if you want to build a football team and you have a chance to draft a truly special player like Sewell, you have to take it. Number four, Michael Parsons. I like him in the New York Giants defense. I think he is similar to a player like Isaiah Simmons that came out of Clemson last year, a kind of do-it-all linebacker. Not quite the exact same, but just as explosive. 
you put a Micah Parsons on the Giants, I think you can do some really good things. Gregory Rousseau, number five. I don't know if the Jaguars will be drafting at fifth, but again, I think they could be in that two, three, four, five, six area. And if they took a guy like Gregory Rousseau, who had, I believe, 15 and a half sacks a year ago, you put him opposite Josh Allen. Name me a better set of edge rushers in the league. I don't know if there is one. Now, if they're healthy, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in Denver certainly get the nod, but, you know, they haven't been all year. And Jaguars, talk about building box. you know, they, a few years ago they had Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye as kind of those bookend corners. Now you get rid of those guys and you look to the edge rushers. That's a pretty freaking great combo. Those guys are long, they're athletic, they have a good motor, they've put together proven production, and if you're an offensive line coach, who do you block? You still have Miles Jack. You still have some other good defenders on that defense. That could be one of those moves where, yes, you're drafting Rousseau hypothetically at number five, and traditionally those kinds of guys have to carry the load. Rousseau would be a part of the puzzle, not the whole thing. And so that would thus amplify the production of all the other players. Number six, Jalen Waddle. This is a bit of a wild card, of course, because the ankle injury, but this team doesn't need a receiver, I think. Although, I will say if they get him, it could be special. The L.A. Chargers. Keenan Allen is a stud. He is a perennial pro bowler. I don't think he's done playing by any stretch, but you need more than one receiver. They have Mike Williams, who's been playing all right, but then think about this, though. Think about five years from now. The Jalen Waddle-Justin Herbert combo. I mean, are you kidding me? How special could that be? I mean, that's all I really have to say. And then if Hunter Henry continues to play well, they have a multi-pronged attack that could be pretty dangerous for the AFC West and the rest of the NFL. And not to mention Waddle is an exceptional kick returner. So that's always going to help your cause in terms of evaluating players. At number seven, this is a pretty easy one. Jamar Chase goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not just because Joe Burrow was his quarterback last year, but because A.J. Green is clearly not working anymore. It's not that I wish that on him. It's just watch the Bengals. It's not working. And it's actually pretty remarkable to know that Tyler Boyd is the only real receiving threat, and they're still running effectively. Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. You get Jonah Williams back, their left tackle. You get Joe Burrow with a whole year of experience playing competitive. You know, they may not have a winning season. Of course, if they're drafting at number seven, they probably won't have a winning season. But Joe Burrow, a year under his belt, a lot of growing pains out of the way. Jamar Chase stepping in opposite Tyler Boyd. Now you got something to work with. And say what you want about the Bengals, but they haven't quit. 
and you take your lumps in that first year under a new system, new quarterback, you get a guy like Jamar Chase who comes from a winning program. He's going to not skip a beat, at least in terms of his work ethic. And you wouldn't think, you know, his production, especially LSU receivers, they almost always translate. That would be one of the best value picks of the whole draft. Number eight, Najee Harris to the Miami Dolphins. The reason I like this, there, well, there's a few reasons. Number one, he reminds me of Adrian Peterson. He's not Adrian Peterson. I don't think he will be as good as Adrian Peterson. But in terms of his running style, his physicality, and more than that, his urgency. He seems, when you watch Najee Harris, he seems offended and irritated when you try to tackle him. It's like you are insulting him if you try to tackle him. He just runs that hard and that ferociously. He can stop on a dime, one cut, get up field. He can go wide. He can go in between the tackles. He can leap. He can lower his shoulder. And he can do all this so suddenly for a guy that's a pretty big guy. You know, for how fast and agile he is, it doesn't seem on the TV that he's that big, but he really is. And, of course, he played with Tua Tungavailoa last year. So you have Tua, just like the similar situation with Burrow in Cincinnati, potentially getting Jamar Chase. You get Tua getting a main offensive weapon back he just played with a year ago, happens to be in need for the football team, balances out the offense. You're looking really good. Number nine, I have Patrick Sertan the second going to a team that, look, I'll just say it. They don't need him, but if they get him, it could be scary. Similar situation to Rousseau and the Jaguars. I have Sertan going to the New England Patriots. And I have that because Stephon Gilmore is great, yes. But again, you need another player opposite him. I know I just said the Patriots don't need Shortan, but if you want to compete, especially in that division with Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, and potentially Trevor Lawrence, you want more than just Stephon Gilmore. So Patrick Sertan II, his father was a Pro Bowl corner for many years at the Dolphins. He's been playing at a great level so far for Alabama, his entire career. That would be a great pickup for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Finally, Travis Etienne, number 10, player on the list. I have him going to the San Francisco 49ers. And if you watch the 49ers this year, and in recent years, They've been running back by committee. Now, a lot of teams deploy more than one running back. But generally, they have a feel for that. So, for example, Baltimore Ravens. Mark Ingram's a starter. Gus Edwards is a short yardage goal line back. And then Justice Hill, and then this year, J.K. Dobbins will fill in, whether on third downs, maybe for a couple drives at a time. And then... 
you know, they have that system in place. Whereas I feel like the 49ers kind of just go with whoever's healthy. And, you know, you don't want to be doing that for too long if you can help it. And ETN has been very impressive at Clemson, not only because of his pure numbers, but because, you know, you don't usually see a guy who is that fast and hits it up in the hole between the tackles so often. But ETN does that. And for a team and a coach like Kyle Shanahan, you want that stud premier number one running back. You have him, Jimmy Garoppolo's pressure is alleviated, George Kittle's pressure is alleviated. It makes me think of the Chiefs, where you know, Garoppolo is obviously not as good as Patrick Mahomes. The tight end situation is similar. But you have that young stud running back like they got in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Look at him. They're 8-1. and one. If the 49ers would have had Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, of course, less injuries, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because they'd probably be at the top of the NFC rankings. But you get a guy like Etienne, or the possibility of getting a guy like Etienne, he has been doing really good things for a long time at Clemson, consistently. And that's what you're looking for, the 49ers. That's the key word, consistency. So just a quick recap, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Panay Sewell, Mike Parsons, Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Patrick Sertan II, and Travis Etienne. Those are my current top 10 NFL prospects. And... Some may change, but for right now, that's who I'm looking at. So, who are you looking at? What are your thoughts? Are the NFL playoff standings as they stand right now accurate, or what will change? How will they change? What are your college football playoff predictions? Let us know. We appreciate you listening. We encourage you to share, rate us five stars, and let us know what you think. Thanks so much for listening to On the Board.